Tuesday, April 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Sell. Joining me in studio, it's Bill Mann. Thanks hey, for, thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm not as caffeinated as you. I'm highly caffeinated. I've, <laughs> I stupidly brought water. <laughs> I brought water. I figured that was your chaser. <laughs> I brought water to a coffee fight. Uh, earnings Palooza is heating up, so we're going to get into one big Dow stock. And an annual meeting that's going on today, and we'll get to both of those. We got to start though with the the proverbial eight hundred pound gorilla of the advertising world, and that's Alphabet, aka Google. Uh, first quarter ad revenue was up twenty four percent. It's amazing year over year, and that's only I don't know eighty seven percent of the core Google yeah. business. So thirty one billion dollars in quarterly revenue. And over nine billion dollars in profit. Yeah. Alphabet had some numbers this quarter, and we'll get into a couple of the other numbers. But just in terms of the bread and butter of this business, they crushed it. They did. They did. And the market doesn't seem to like it very much. I mean, the the stock was down pretty sharply this morning. If you know, forty billion dollars in market in market cap being evaporated is something that. You know that uh, you you think is important. Um, it was a good quarter. They they've had good quarter after good quarter. I I do worry that there's a little bit of an expectations game that's going on that people are expecting a lot of them. People were also talking about some of their expenses. You know, the, uh, a little bit higher uh, SG&A employment side. And I don't think people understand quite what Larry Page is doing with. The little bets part of their business. Excuse me, little bets. Uh, the other bets. The other bets. The other bets. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things that they had done recently, and when they moved from being Google to Alphabet, it was to give more transparency to the overall yeah. business, and they set up these divisions, and one of them was other bets, and it was essentially their way of saying, look, to give more transparency to investors, to shareholders, to Wall Street. We're going to put over in this one category things that aren't search. Right. And what they did recently was take one of the things from the other bets category, Nest, and broke it out. Their move to the smart home. And they, they basically brought that back over to Google. And one of the things that we saw this quarter was that because of the amount of money they are sinking into Nest, if you just look at the other bets as a category, you see that now that Nest is no longer in there, the revenue is up, the loss is smaller. It's still a loss, but yep. it's smaller. And so I think that maybe people were reading a little bit more into that than they should, because again, I get that they're spending a lot of money. And certainly when we were at South by Southwest, everything Google was doing was screaming smart home. Yeah. That was their entire presence yeah. at South and by they're Southwest. Willing, yes. And they are willing to. Lose money on that for an extended period of time, so that they are there and ready to win when the market is ready for it. You know what it reminds me of, and I don't know that people think about this that much anymore. Is you had AT and T, and AT and T had a massive think tank called Bell Labs, and Bell Labs had its own. You know, it 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 had its own budget. If it made profits. That was great, but it was also there to get out of get out ahead of whatever the next trend was, get out ahead of whatever the next technology was, and other bets for Google is exactly the same thing, even broader because Bell Labs was pretty much limited to telecommunications. Um, yeah, so 
I don't know what more people wanted. I think the stock probably, you know, it's had a great couple of years, so I wouldn't read anything into the fact that the stock is down a little bit. This is this is a company that is unlike any other on the planet. Is it safe to assume that and I'm not going to I'm not going to say that the next two quarters are going to look exactly like this, but it, it it does sort of feel like when you look at the overall business, when you hear the comments from management, it seems like at least directionally the expectations for the next couple of quarters is that they're going to be kind of like this. The, yeah. the profits will be measured in billions. The spending that they are doing around smart home related things, you know, including not just Nest but the speaker, mm-hmm. um, auto drive cars, all of that yeah. sort of thing. It, it really does seem like it, they're going to look and and feel a lot like this one. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, the biggest wild card for for Google and then excuse me, Alphabet and. All of the other big social media companies is is their regulation coming down the pike, but even that is not that's not a story for the next couple of quarters. That's that's a few years down the road, I would think. This gives me a uh, about as good a chance as any to work in that if you have a, a smart speaker, whether it's uh, from Amazon or Google or Apple, you can get all of the Motley Fools podcasts yeah. on there. As well as our daily flash briefing, so and they're fantastic. I mean, they we you guys do such a great job with those. And every once in a while, I come in and screw one up. But <laughs> <laughs> another thing that you can get on them, and this is this is a just an absolute pitch out of out out of the blue. Yes, you know, uh, I studied German in college and try very hard to keep it up. There's an, there there there's an app out there, and it's called News in Slow German. They do news in slow French, news in slow Italian, where they give you. The day's news in the language, but very, very slowly, spoken very deliberately. And it's absolutely fantastic. And so once you're done listening to a market fool or you know, a, a Motley Fool podcast, a Motley Fool Minute, learn a language. Does it help? Does yeah, the, it absolutely the... helps because as we know from investing, that repetition is everything. You know, someone who practices 15 minutes a day at something is much better than someone who practices three hours on the weekend. And languages are very, very much the same. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the same as exercising a muscle, right? You know, it's just better. That, okay, you're, I'm I'm now officially one step closer to getting a smart speaker in my home. Yeah, it's great. Uh, let's move on to the Dow, uh, which has six of the thirty reporting today, and we'll focus on Minnesota mining and manufacturing. Also, Not much mining they do anymore, but I do love that they've maintained the name. Also known as 3M. Yeah. Um, not exactly starting the new fiscal year off in the strongest of ways. Uh, first quarter revenue was higher than expected. Their profits were solid, but they're, they cut guidance for the full fiscal year. Cut, not I, not yeah. a ton, but enough. Enough. Well, it, this is also, again, we just talked about this with Alphabet a little bit. It's an expectations game. 3M had a massive 2017. If you were a, if you were a shareholder in 3M, you almost could not help but make money. So, yeah, guidance they cut a little bit. You know, they're seeing some weaknesses in in in, in some of their divisions. You know, maybe we need to use a few more Post-it notes around in the office and help them out. Um, but uh, yeah, it, 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 there's nothing that's going on at 3M that that is raising alarm bells with me. But you, but it is always the case that. When a stock has done really, really well like that, bad news 
even minor bad news gets amplified. And I think that's what we're seeing here. And to your point about the performance of the stock for a Dow, sort of the what we think of traditionally as the the safe, solid blue chip stocks. Yeah. It really was a great 12 months until you get to the beginning of February because since then it has given up more than 20%. It's basically flat over the last year because it's yeah. given up about 20 between 20 and 25% of gains just over the last few months. One of the things management talked about with respect to this quarter was the organic growth that they saw. They liked what they saw in terms of organic growth across the board. So, I'm wondering if you look at the stock since it's recently given up some gains, is this a value play type of situation? Because the thing about organic growth is, if that continues to play out over a few quarters, then this is a buying opportunity because it's down about seven percent this morning. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. And organic growth is the kind of growth that you really want with uh, with with any company. I mean, a lot of companies are really good at acquiring, but acquiring is much higher risk growth, and usually it's it's. More costly. Than I was going to say it involves writing checks. Yeah, it involves writing checks as opposed to hey, people are buying more tape than they did a year ago, and people are buying more of you know whatever whatever product it is. They're buying more, and so yeah, I, there there's a lot of stuff to like. I think I think the stock got very much ahead of itself, and yeah, but down nearly twenty percent. Probably, probably a good point in time in which to uh, to get in. But at the same time, usually an inflection like this has has a tail to it. So we are just down the block from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, which is home to the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I got a press release from them earlier this month because apparently, among other, in addition to being Financial Literacy Month. April is also uh, like National Inventors Month or Inventors <laughs> Awareness Month, and something like that. Anyway, it's, so it's this press release, and they they highlighted some people who are in the Hall of Fame yeah. that they have been put in the Hall of Fame over the last 15, 20 years. Have you seen the Hall of Fame, by the way? Have you? It's it's right in the atrium there. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And one, uh, or I should say, two of the people that they highlighted were the two guys who came up with Post-it notes. Yeah, which. If I understand correctly, was an accident. The adhesive they were trying to find something that didn't leave a mark, and they found a very light, clean adhesive that. Yeah, they've done very well with with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, no, they've doubled. It down. wasn't Roni and Michelle. Do you remember that from Roni and Michelle, the movie that she invent? She was uh, claiming that she invented post-it notes. That was her thing when she went back to. She went back to. I can tell by your, uh, your uh, yeah, face, no. you have no idea what I'm talking. No, about. No, no, I remember. <laughs> Look, if you've seen Roni and Michelle's yeah. high school reunion, I mean, classic movie. Right. I invented Post-it notes was the big thing, and then there was suddenly a uh, you know suddenly one of the smarter people at school said, "No, I thought that was." <laughs> they actually knew the names of the people who came up with it. That's tough play. Uh, today is uh, the day that uh, Wells Fargo is having its annual meeting Ooh. in Des Moines, Iowa, and Tim. I wonder why they chose Iowa. I don't know. Are they not based there? I just assumed they were based there. No, no, they're based in Chicago. You go ahead and look that up. I'm going to look that up. They're not based in Iowa. Um, I hear Iowa's lovely this time of year, though. Iowa's also not on the way for a lot of people. I mean, for a company that's had 
the news cycle that Wells Fargo has had over the last year, I would think it would be of benefit to them to put their meeting someplace where people aren't that excited to go. And I mean nothing bad about Des Moines, Iowa. It's just not, it's not on the way. All right, I'm looking now. Go ahead and send your angry emails. Uh, no, Iowa gosh. residents to billmanatful.com. Um, so Tim Sloan, the CEO, uh, told shareholders in his annual letter that uh, the number one priority for Wells Fargo is rebuilding trust after their recent scandals. <laughs> I have a super great idea there. How about making sure there's no further scandals? Right? How about because. Usually, when you have multiple scandals like that, to my mind, that means that there is something rotten throughout the company. Right? And we're not talking about the same scandal over no. and over. At first, and we talked about this earlier, when the first scandal broke about the fake accounts that they were creating, which that's just sort of a skeezy thing to do, but it didn't necessarily harm people. Right. There was anywhere from surprise to genuine shock that this was going on because of Wells Fargo's sterling reputation. It's a Buffett company. Exactly. And deserved the halo. Absolutely. And now, this latest one with the billion dollar fine. A billion dollars, which is such a weird number. Like, I don't get the feeling that. Mick Mulvaney at the CPFC went through and really thought of like what are the true damages to people. But basically, what was happening: people who were who were getting car loans through Wells Fargo were also being forced to get car insurance from Wells Fargo, regardless of whether they already had car insurance. So, unlike the cute like fake accounts, which is such good branding for for a fraud, like what a great fraud branding. Fake accounts is, yeah. but forced insurance is not so great. But it is actually one that is much more expensive to people. So there were actual losses and actual damages, and they're being hit very hard for it. A billion dollars, I am told, is quite a bit of money. It is, and they'll have no trouble paying it. But I think no. the, the the signal that it sends uh, is maybe stronger than the actual impact of the fine itself. But this is this is just sort of. This is not a shock. This is just, oh, there they go again. Yeah. And I'm wondering, with the Berkshire Hathaway meeting coming up in a couple of weeks here, how much do you think Buffett is going to be asked about this? Because this is no longer, you know, a few months ago he was asked about it and he expressed his full faith in Tim Sloan. Tim Sloan, who, by the way, was in the executive ranks the whole time right. that the first scandal. He's not was Mr. Cleanup Man. Yeah, he's not. He's from not the Mr. Outside. Cleanup Man. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would hope, and as someone who studied Buffett for a long time. Uh, you know he is a very light hand with you know with his managers. He doesn't come in and and berate them. But there is also a video of him testifying before Congress after the Solomon uh, scandal uh, in the 1990s, and he said, you know, if you lose reputation for the firm, I will be merciless. Well, there are people at Wells Fargo, and I don't mean the rank and file. I mean people in the C-suite who have lost reputation for Wells Fargo and for Buffett if he doesn't if he doesn't stand up and do and do or say something about it. So it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what he is asked and how he answers. And he absolutely should be asked. 
You've been to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting before. I have. Yeah. What uh, what stands out to you, whether it's in terms of visiting the city of Omaha, Nebraska, or just the event itself? I should talk about how close it is to Iowa, which I truly love. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing because you don't. You, and we feel it here, I think, at the Motley Fool sometimes because we interact with investors a lot. But when you go into a room and there are twenty thousand shareholders, and then there is an overflow room, and it is, it is an amazing, amazing event. And I, I have, I have met people who started going to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting even in the mid '80s, and it was in the, you know, in the lunchroom at Peter Kiewit Plaza, and. Just to think that they had the access where, like, does anybody have any questions? No, <laughs> but you know, as opposed to now, where right. you know, the moment in which they ask for questions, it's this like mad dash for the you know for the microphones, and it's it's an it's an incredible event. Uh, I don't know how many more they're going to do. I think uh, Charlie Munger's ninety two, maybe so. But they have a lot of energy when they're up there on stage, and the the most amazing thing to me is, and has always been, as I stumble through this, is when they get asked questions, they generally answer in complete sentences with syntax in paragraphs. It is amazing how their minds work. Bill, man, thanks for being here, man. Good to be with you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.